Please state your name for the record. Tim Wood. I'm Brent Simmons. And I'm Chris Parrish, and you're listening to The Record. The Record brings you the stories you should know about the Apple development community. This is Season 1, Seattle Before the iPhone. Today we are recording at the offices of the Omni Group in Seattle. Our guest is Tim Wood. Tim is a co-founder of powerhouse Mac and iOS development shop, the Omni Group, and a veteran Cocoa developer from the next days. Tim, it's great to have you here today. Thanks. And thanks for uh, having us record here at the, at the Omni offices. Yeah, right? which it's are great having you here. Beautiful offices. Oh, absolutely. Great place to work. You guys have done a fabulous job here. And the food's good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you've really been feeding is. us while we've been here. Yeah. It's been fantastic. <laughs> thanks. So, uh, Tim, how did you get started in computers? What was the, your introduction? Uh, the earliest I remember, um, my dad brought home an Atari, I think it was an Atari 800. And this was, I was probably 11 or 12. Right. Um, and, you know, it came with a manual and you sit down and do a couple dumb things on it. Yeah. And, um, you know, just, you know, typical things that uh, kids do and, you know, play some games and um, didn't really get into writing software too much for a couple of years. Um, but there were a few games that, you know, you, you'd get a game at the the local uh, user group meeting or whatever. And, right. like, oh, hey, this game's written in basic. I can go look at what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was this in, in Seattle? Uh, we were actually living in Tacoma at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, so they had a good user group. Uh, they met met at one of the computer shops there, and cool. they'd trade software and bring it home, and be like, "Wow, this game's really great!" But uh, you know, it's too hard. I, you know, as a kid, you're like, you don't realize <laughs> that breaking the game to make it, you know, totally easy is removes the fun. So, but you're like, right? Yeah. All right, I'm going to make my character super powerful and right. Uh, change all the monsters or whatever. Yeah. It was pretty awesome that those games were written in basic. I had a similar story with an Apple II and the game that I like to play one day crashed, right? And so then it's sitting there at that basic prompt and I'm kind of like, I've mean, seen now? that before. And you know, you start listing the program, you're like, oh, I, yeah. can, I can change everything. <laughs> yeah. That was a lot of fun. And, and at least you had the Atari that had a real keyboard, right? It was the other one that had yeah, that. Yeah, uh, there was at some point where we got, we got a 400... Yeah, that was the one. For is that like a touch membrane? Yeah, yeah it was the membrane keyboard. Yeah. It was really oh yeah. gosh, you really had to press on it. Yeah, yeah, those were not uh, pleasant keyboards at all. But as I recall too, those Ataris had cartridge slots as well. And uh, did you have a disc drive for it? I can't remember. Yeah, we eventually was, yeah. got yeah. one. Uh, for a long time, it was just the cassette, right? Um, which gave you time to consider what you were going to do <laughs> for our younger <laughs> listeners yeah. yeah we used actual cassette tapes which you could find about on wikipedia probably that was our storage yeah and how much could a cassette tape actually less than 100k yeah it's very small amount yeah. of data yeah. Yeah. and it was slow yeah and then yeah. in my error in the process if the tape was a little messed up or yeah sure that happened all the time cassettes were flimsy yeah. little <laughs> things. Well, on the plus side i don't know if you could do this on the commodore but on the atari you could record audio and data on the same cassette so you could listen to music while, <laughs> while i was loading something it's up. like you're waiting on your yeah. old music yeah. <laughs> that's perfect i remember uh hacking the apple II with the you know it had the audio in for the cassette but you could sample off of that like you know really terrible sampling rate to bit, you know, get something that kind of sounds like audio coming out from it. But mm. you could sort of record stuff audio that way. And that blew my mind, I remember as a kid. Like, 
you do that with a computer. So, so you started with basic. Yep. On the Atari, did you upgrade from there? Was there? Uh, I played around a little bit with sixty-five hundred two, and my dad had a manual for assembler, and right. Uh, played a little with it, but um, really wasn't that interested in um, in doing it at that level. And and pretty soon after that, um, oh yeah, I'm trying to remember. I, I think we ended up uh, moving and mm-hmm, switching mm-hmm. computers, and and not too long after that, uh, we got a C compiler. So, uh, for the uh, Atari, uh, or a different uh, well, computer. I think this, we, we had upgraded to an uh, Atari ST at this point. Okay, all right. Little, so this yeah. is years mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Um. So you know, I think you know, I'd, I'd go through, and there was the uh, Compute Magazine or Byte or whatever, mm-hmm, and you know, mm-hmm. they have their games that are written in huge data blocks and. Yep. So you type yeah. them in and you get one character wrong and nothing works. <laughs> and, and there's no way to debug that really, right? Yeah. It's just like go back through and look at each yeah, one. Yeah, well, right? we were pretty happy. There was a, at one point they uh, added a thing where it had a little checksum. Oh, so it could tell you, yeah. okay. oh, I, there's mm-hmm. something wrong on this line. Yeah, that's way better. Oh, that's how my dad and I bonded. I think you know, uh-huh. just one of us typing, the other yeah, reading, other reading off the yeah. hacks. I did yeah. that with my dad. He was no, yeah. he was not really into computers in any way. But there was a period of time in which he did get a little interested, and we would sit mm-hmm. down and, and type those in and try to get a game running out of yeah. it. You know, it's like. So was your dad uh, a programmer, or was he just interested as a hobbyist? Or uh, he did some programming. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, worked on. Um, what was uh, Burroughs and then became Unisys, did a bunch of um, support for their mainframe stuff. So uh, you know, he had a computer yeah. background. And, yep, okay. Um, so he did all all sorts of stuff. He uh, did a bunch of electronics right. uh, stuff. Actually, I've got in my office, I've got a, a binary clock that he built for me when I was probably 12. So it was you know, oh, cool. early 80s and yeah. it still works. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's really awesome. Back when you could go get parts at Radio Shack and, and build stuff with it. Right? Yeah. You, mm. <laughs> I remember those days quite fondly. So, uh, yeah, did you ever have a Mac in these days or did yeah. you go straight to, to Next? No, I, I never there? had a Mac. My aunt had a Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd go over, you know, visit my cousins and sort of goof around on that and play a few games. And I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never, never programmed the Mac until until, uh, you know, Apple bought Next. Right. You know, so we're like, well, I, I mm-hmm. suppose maybe I should try this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was quite... So So then what led you to the Next? How did you get uh, that background? Well, the uh, the university that we, a bunch of us from Omni went to, uh, University of Washington, uh, had a whole bunch of Next machines um, in various departments. They had uh, some in the math department, some in the physics, music departments, and mm-hmm. then also in the uh, computer center that, um, students could come down to to use a computer uh, since you know, not everybody had one at, mm-hmm. the, yeah, at that time. Sure. Uh, so they, you know, they had a, a, a big lab of Nexts there, and not every you know uh, not everybody knew how to use them. So you know you, you'd have your you know H nineteen whatever terminal sitting there. Most people would be using those doing their Fortran and mm. oh, uh, and maybe some mm-hmm. X stations, and people could sort of figure out how to use those. But then the Nexts were for a long time were just sitting there with nobody using them. Yeah. And they were you know, beautiful machines. So. Oh yeah, 
Um, you want to know about it, right? I remember my <laughs> mom really, really wanting one. And, uh -huh. and, and more or less the choice was between paying for my college or getting one. <laughs> paid for my college. It was a painful choice. Which, you know, she should have gone the other way, come to think of it. <laughs> so yeah, after a while, um, I was looking for work and several of my friends worked at, the, at that computer lab there. Um, so, you know, ended up getting a job there. And the, they had some student consultants that would... Uh, you know, help people use the university computers. Right. And behind the desk, they had another pair of Nexts that the uh, consultants got to use. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, I was basically sitting there at work, you know, teaching myself how to program on these things. Right, yeah. That's pretty cool. Were you taking any classes at the time uh, related to programming or? Uh, yeah, I did a CS major okay. and math at, at UW. Uh, so, you know, I ended up, one of the really nice things is it had Mathematica on it. Oh, uh, so there were part. several, um, several times in you know math where, um, you know, I get to use Mathematica. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember there was one final where you know it was take home final, and so do all the work in Mathematica, yeah. typeset it in LaTeX, and yeah. print that out. I think I spent more time on, you know, learning software packages than actually doing the math. But. I think there, <laughs> I think Mathematica still blows my mind, honestly. Like that it exists and that some. One made it and that it works. Like it's it just, is, it's amazing. It's an amazing piece of work. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like you can you can just enter symbols of math and it does it. That's <laughs> amazing stuff. So, what was the uh, curriculum like in a in for CS in those days? It was before Java. Yeah, it was well so, well before Java. Yeah. Um, the intro CS classes were done in Ada. Oh, oh okay. wow. I, Do you think that was because of the Boeing influence yeah, it was, locally? It was Boeing, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 A lot of DoD work is done mm -hmm. in ADA. So, yeah. Or yeah, my mom was an ADA programmer for years. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we did ADA on VMS for quite a while. Um, and as soon as you got out of those intro classes, you could use – you had more freedom in what you would use. But, um, like, you know, you switch to data structures and they just mm -hmm. assume you know C. Like there, there was yep. no class to teach you this. You just right, right. You had to know it. Hmm. Um, so we did, you know, data structures and graphics and uh, compilers, um, OS. There was a one of my favorite classes. Actually, uh, it's totally useless knowledge at this point. Is um, all the uh, VAX internals. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. So you, you program assembly and these ridiculously yeah. complicated instructions. Like right, right. It's the, the uh, Totally an antithesis of risk. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yes, I remember having a it was an IBM 360 assembler course. I think was what I did in college. They didn't want to put us on any computers that were attached to anything. <laughs> we were doing <laughs> assembly there. <laughs> what are the old things that we have sitting over here that they can completely screw up? Let's mm. teach them assembler on those things. So I was oddly attracted to that. I don't know why. I wouldn't be today. Like I wouldn't really want to write code that like that today. But I think it's because I, well, on the Apple II, I didn't have. You know, you had basic, and then you had to have some sort of compiler or something. You want to do anything else, and I didn't. And the only other option then was doing pure assembly language. And so yeah, I, well, I kind of went down that I road. I sort of feel like those are, I mean, data structures are, is what you would maybe use in actual day-to-day -day work. Right. But I think, you know, there's your machine architecture class, your compiler class, and operating systems. And those remove so much magic from mm -hmm. your perception of computing Right. I, I, those are probably my favorite classes that yeah. I had. I had a similar experience to that with a microprocessor design class in which we, you know, basically like, okay, here's a CPU. 
yeah. hook everything up to it to make it run like yeah. a computer. <laughs> like, wow, all right. If, if I had it to do again today, I would, I would probably go computer engineering and get yeah. to actually build some circuits. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's essentially what I did, and that was it was it was fun. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I did. I did one double uh, E class, but it was uh, it was terrible. They were hard. Uh, the professor was not. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, the class was yeah. was not that bad, but the professor was just abominable. Oh was, yeah. Uh, thick accent and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just reading straight from the book and yeah, I had a e professor who was uh, uh, detained in a one of the the camps in the Second World War and uh, you know he still had his tattoo yeah, and, oh man he told me I was useless and should consider a different career <laughs> he didn't <laughs> like me at all <laughs> he was a very blunt person. <laughs> <laughs> He probably was right at the time. I probably needed some time to mature. I imagine. <laughs> well, like most college kids. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Geez, yeah. <laughs> Zelby was his name. He was an interesting dude. So next, uh, you're doing Objective C, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're right? you know learning really app kit interface builder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was no project builder at the at the beginning. There was just interface right. builder, hmm. and it it you know would run make files for you. Um, you know, just going through, they had you know, great concepts documentation and class documentation. So you just go through and there was little enough documentation at that point that it was totally doable to just read it all. And, you know, so you sit down and read for a couple of days and uh, you may not understand everything, but you at least know where everything is. And um, then you spend the next week trying to understand uh, uh, target action Mm-hmm. And you're like, and finally it dawns on you know, <laughs> right, yeah. right, yeah. the choir Those of moments, angels singing. Right? <laughs> exactly, right. So what kind of software were you building? Was it just uh, things for entertainment? Were you actually... Uh, oh, you know? what, just little goof-off projects. So I had a little database for, you know, cataloging music or books or whatever, mm-hmm. or just um, uh, something like a, you know, calendar app. Um, right. Some little toy games. Um, nothing... Um, Nothing that could be ever shipped. But. Right, right. <laughs> and, of course, there were no customers for next. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture all this on a 68K machine. Um, right. How, how was performance? For well, apps? so the it, – it was it was pretty decent once they actually got hard drives in the machines. That's uh, got to help. Next yeah. Cube's shipped originally with just, um, just the optical drive. Oh, that's right. Mm. Yep. Uh, and so you could – Eventually, you could get uh, a little hard drive for swap space, mm-hmm. and that made things uh, significantly better. <laughs> One of the machines we had there in a back office didn't have the hard drive, and you know, so you'd you'd go boot it up, and it would start seeking around on this optical drive. Right. Then you you go get coffee and come <laughs> back. And were those read-write optical drives? I'm trying to remember yeah. if that was because that was wasn't huh. it? Yeah. That. Like that was, I remember that being a big deal when that was when like the next was announced. Like they were kind of trying to pioneer in that space. I don't think there were a lot of other optical. Yeah, no, there were no other, that. no other vendors that were shipping those. Yeah. On, um, I don't know if I could call it a reasonable price computer, but um, <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> something something. Well, and the, and the I don't remember how much the discs cost. It was, I think it was almost. I think it was a hundred bucks for oh, an optical disc cartridge thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, but it was at that time it was unlimited storage. Right. Right. 
until you scratched it and then it right. was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bitter about that. No. <laughs> How many times did that happen? Once. Yeah, I still once. have the disc. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll somehow some forensic I'll team buff will... it out or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get the dermal out. Yeah. Toothpaste. You got it fixed. That's awesome. We've got a cube. Somewhere around the building, so oh, okay. I can maybe read it. Yeah, we'll see. Just give it a shot. So, uh, <clears throat> who else was in the lab with you there? Uh, well, we, uh, Will and uh, uh, Ken was working up at the Sysadmin area, the four, uh, forty-five, forty-five. Uh, but Will was working at the lab. Um, a couple other people that work here now: Greg Titus, Tom Bunch, mm-hmm. um, other people that have worked here in the past. Um, a lot of people I still. Still yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, it was definitely, you know, the start of start of something. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the start of the offices we're sitting in right now. Yeah. Almost, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 So did, did you guys, uh, were you all friends and did you, you know, spend a lot of time working on projects together then or did it come later? Or? Uh, I, I developed over time. Ken and Will knew each other before, um, you know, before I knew either one of them. Uh, so they... Uh, did a bunch of work together on um, like a bulletin board system mm-hmm. that uh, I don't know if UW still uses it. We still use it internally oh, here. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <Don't kid. laughs> or at least Ken uses yeah, it. I don't, yeah. Know. Yeah. I don't know how many people use it, but yeah, you know, I was learning. You know, Will knew, uh, he was a, a campus consultant for mm-hmm. Next. So yeah, he was a great resource to uh, get me started on learning right. all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, uh, what led to the Omni Group from that then? Were you guys still in school or was it after school or? I think we were still, we were just, fi- I was just finishing up. Uh, I think uh, Ken and Will were both done mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started out designing a game called Omni. Oh, nice. Um, we have yet to actually produce a game. But <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a familiar story. What uh, what was the game? What was it about? What was the idea? Uh, it was a massively multiplayer game where you could, uh, um, you know, build your own spells, and everything was sort right. of a little logic component. Like the monsters AI would be something you could take apart and build on your own. And I mean, I think you know, looking back, I think it would be a lot of fun for programmers to play this game. Mm-hmm. But um, it would uh, it would be a, a, a difficult sell for the general audience. Right. Right. I mean, seeing you know the things kids are doing in Minecraft, who knows? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that does surprise me. I can't. I my kids somehow discovered Minecraft and they play it all the time. Like I don't. I'm like, hmm. would never guess it. Like when I first saw about Minecraft, I'm like, oh, that's cute, whatever. And then it's just a huge. Yeah, kids no, love my it. my son and his friends. I've been spending a, a bit of time recently setting up a, you know Minecraft server with you know bucket mods and uh-huh. whatever yep. for them. So. Yep. Um. So this this predated massive multiplayer games being a success though, right? Like I feel like the, I'm guessing the time frame well, was before there was, was there anything that had come out and been really big at that point or? There were, you know, the moves and mushes. Right, um, kind of university yeah, level. Yeah, I mean, te- text-based games. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never really on CompuServe or anything. I think there mm-hmm. were some pay services that had, right. had yep. large games like that. Yeah. Uh, I never played any of those, right. but you know, but nothing like the Warcraft, World of no, Warcraft, no, no, no. and uh, no, there was you know, no, there was uh, no the things before that. Um, there was no real, you know, three D graphics to speak of. Yeah, or, right, right. Or yeah. even uh, I guess Ultima was the first really big consumer facing, you know, massive multiplayer first, game. Yeah, first one I remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Ultima Online. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, I feel like this must have been probably right before that, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Interesting. 
Oh, you should finish it up and ship yeah. it. Yeah. I think that'd be such a great story. Occasionally, I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty good. So, yeah, after, after you know, Will and Kenneth uh, finished up school and uh, Will got hired by Next to help out on a contract um, that uh, Next had done for uh, the William Morris Agency, the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. talent agency in Hollywood. Uh, so they wanted some custom software to set up movie deals. And so, uh, you know, Will brought on Ken and then brought on me. Um, so Will went Hollywood at an early age. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's cool. And then, you know, at some point, uh, you know, they said, well, you know, it'll be easier to pay you guys if you're a company. I'm like, well, okay. We can do that. Follow some we can do work. that. Yeah. <laughs> Were you working out from home, or uh, where, were you, where were you headquartered? Uh, for quite a while, we worked out of the Next offices uh, over in uh, Kirkland. Uh, they had some offices right on the water at Carillon Point. Oh, I see. Like uh, a, a sales office, or was it more like a remote development or something? Or? Um, I think it was a sales office. The, the, there were very few people in the office at that, mm-hmm. at that time, which is maybe indicative of how well how Next was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm assuming none of that crossed your guys' minds at all, right? Like you're not thinking about market size. No, or no, not like, at all. Yeah, yeah. The um, I mean, it, it next to that point really was a um, an enterprise solution. So, uh, so there was William Morris, and then uh, just in the same complex, there was uh, Macaw Cellular, uh, a company that we started working for uh, pretty pretty soon after. I don't remember what the, the exact right. delay there is, but um, uh, yeah. So McCall said they eventually became AT and T Wireless. Right. Um, so they had a uh, custom next step system for activating phones and taking mm-hmm. care of customers and rate plans and all that. Um, so that early first company, did you actually call it Omni? And, and is that the direct uh, ancestor? Yeah, it was uh, uh, Omni Development Inc. And mm-hmm. then eventually we said, oh, doing DBA, the Omni Group. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Or maybe it was the other way. I don't remember right. which one came first <laughs> at this point. I'd have to go look look it up. So it's lasted this whole time. That's pretty impressive. So how yeah. long? How, right. how many years is that now? Like that's. Uh, uh, we had our, I want to say our 20th anniversary recently. Yeah, yeah that makes um, sense. Yeah. I mean, it depends upon whether you, there were, you know, we worked together for a year or two before we actually incorporated. I think, right. I think we were counting from the, I mean, incorporated in October of 92, if I recall okay. correctly. Mm. Yeah. Again, I'm old. I have to go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should take a break here and thank you. Uh, thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring another episode of The Record. We appreciate it very much. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. They do e-commerce. Cool. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com slash the record. As they like to say, a better web starts with your website. Well, it's simple and it's easy to get going with a Squarespace site. Everything is drag and drop. Everything is beautiful. In fact, you you almost can't help but make a beautiful website. Uh, Their designs are are utterly fantastic. And they're not only beautiful designs, but they're responsive as well, which means your site's going to look good on uh, iPhones and iPads and and every other 
different sized of device. They've done that hard work for you. If you've ever worked with that yourself, done CSS media queries and tried to rearrange things to look good at different sizes, you know it's not easy. Squarespace designers, they've, they've already done it. They've taken care of that for you. And you get 24 by seven support through live chat and email, which is a wonderful thing. Great to have such, uh, such responsive, I guess you could say, support and available all the time. And as I mentioned, they have, they have e-commerce. So you can actually do things on Squarespace that make you money. And it only costs um, uh, costs $8 a month. Plans start at $8 a month. And of course, if you go to squarespace.com slash the record, uh, you get 10% off your first purchase. And you should do that. You should do that because, well, there's a good chance you need a website. And you can show your support for the record by going there and using that URL, the offer code, the record, squarespace.com, the record. So thank you to Squarespace, and please, yeah, check it out. It's good stuff. Now back to Tim. So you're start, you're doing uh, contract enterprise work, and at some point you start growing. Like, what was happening? Were you getting more offers for work, or? Uh, yeah, we I mean we ended up bringing on um, a couple uh, Ken's brother and a couple of our friends to do uh, QA and. Um, you know, and then at some point, yeah, we, we ended up having more, more jobs than we had people for. So, you know, we did consulting for Macaw, um, FrameMaker, which I guess was not oh, yeah. owned by Adobe at that point. Uh, I don't remember no. if, I think FrameMaker was their own company at that point. Yeah, they were um, their own company and then they came into Adobe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and then of course, Lighthouse Design, which... Uh, made a great uh, a great suite of productivity apps for the next, uh, which you know, uh, diagram uh, is definitely a, a big inspiration. Yeah, and shares yeah. an author with Omni yeah, Raffle, yeah. uh, and uh, their their slideshow app is, I mean, effectively Keynote is Keynote. a clone of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it's grown a lot since then, but right. So um, you guys were getting a taste of product development versus sort of enterprise. Software right. at that point, and we, and we had started. Uh, by the time we were working with Lighthouse, we we had, um, I think you know we we were doing consulting, and uh, you know it's easy to get burned out on that. And so we went home for the weekend and came back, and Ken had written a web browser. Mm, wow. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, the, the weekend the, the web browser. The shell uh -huh. web browser. Wow. Know? That's awesome. I mean, it was based off of. I, uh, I think it was the NCSA libraries at that point. I okay. don't I don't remember. We mm -hmm. switched a couple times. Um, so, you know, we were getting, getting into doing our own product at that point. Right. Um, so it's mid nineties, 94, something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. Were there any other web browsers for next at that point? Um, I don't, uh, well, there was of course, www.app or, mm -hmm. um, so we certainly weren't the first for next. Right. Um, and I don't In case our listeners don't know, the first browser was written for Next, Next by yes. Tim Berners-Lee. Right. Yeah. I, uh, and I don't remember uh, what other what the timeline on the other browsers were. There were there definitely were some other browsers. Uh, there's one called Spider Woman. There was uh, oh boy, there were there were several others. Okay. I don't remember the all names right. of all of them. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. yeah. So what happened after uh, after that weekend project? Uh, well, I mean, we ended up 
uh, making it a product. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, Lighthouse had, you know, sales people that would go out to um, places where they were already selling their products. So we ended up selling it through Lighthouse uh, to companies. So I mean, there were there weren't really a lot of commercial options for browsers, right. uh, mm -hmm. and particularly supported ones. Companies like to have support. Right. How was uh, software distributed to companies in those days uh, in the next world? You could get it on a CD in a box. Mm -hmm. We have some boxes with audio yeah, CDs yeah. here. Oh, nice. That's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if I don't know if Lighthouse did, you know printed hundreds or thousands of CDs, and right. or if they just gave them one and they copied it. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I kind of assume they printed a lot of CDs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what you did then. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Everything used to be so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys were charging for OmniWeb uh, yep. and providing support. And would the support be more like enterprise software support where it's like, hey, make it do this? Or was it more technical support like we can't make it work? Well, the, uh, there were some of, some of both, I think. Um, you know, companies would have uh, particular features they needed. And then, you know, the... Um, I don't know if there was an official HTML spec at that point, or, mm -hmm. um, but you know there were new tags being added and you know tables and right. forms, and so we you know try to keep up with that. Um, and then did you guys ever do the blink tag, or did you just draw the line and say you know what we could leave this you know, as a I bug? I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I know we were resistant to it. I don't know if we ever yeah, caved. Sure, yeah. I know we we did do uh, on lists. You could provide custom. Custom images for the little handles, so we did oh, you know, yeah. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, what uh, do you know? What kind of uses these companies were putting the web browser to? Like, how were they using it in their business? Uh, well, I, I think a lot of them were using it for like internal documentation. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there was really uh, a notion of web apps at right. that point. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if I don't even know what, if there were CGI or anything of that sort. But right. um, you know, certainly internal documentation. Um, and then there are other there were a fair number of government clients also mm -hmm. uh, at that time the government bought a lot of Next uh, and so there are some clients where we don't know what they were doing mm. <laughs> right mm. secret collaboration yeah. <laughs> so then uh, how did uh, OmniWeb grow from there I mean did you did it keep getting bigger more requests were you spending more time on it versus services or um, well, yeah, I mean, we, we just kept working on it in the background. Um, you know, eventually, I mean, there were a, a small number of users for the next, you know, so we would sell to individuals as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think probably the, you know, the, it's biggest, um, selling point in the, in history, whatever it was, uh, you know, after Apple bought next, I mean, there were no. There were no browsers for Mac OS X, right. Server, mm -hmm. Rhapsody, whatever whatever it was at that point. So right. at that point, we had a fair number of users and you know, no al other alternatives. So Right, right. So um, that really changed. It did pretty well at that point. So, so how did you guys take that announcement when that came, that Apple was buying Next? I, I remember that day and... Mm -hmm, I bet. Wow, were we happy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we had just... Yeah, we uh, the company had gone out to see a movie or something. We had just come back to the office and heard the news. I, mm -hmm. I was looking through my mail last year, um, 
I think it was December 20th, 1996. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember it being around Christmas, and I'm like, wow, Christmas is coming early. We have, <laughs> we have some users. Uh-huh. Wow. So, did cool. it, so before that, did it feel like Next was kind of collapsing a bit? Yeah, I mean, well, it was yeah, so I, like I was saying, I, I went through, it was last year, I converted all my old Next mailboxes and was reading them, and, and just going through them, um, it's apparent how, how, how poorly things were going. It was like mm-hmm. uh, you know, rumors of, oh, HP's going to buy Next. Oh, no, maybe Sun is going to buy Next. Oh, mm-hmm. Next stop making hardware. Maybe they're going to stop making software, too, and only do development tools. And, right. And... Um, did you have a contingency? Did you have? Did you did you guys start talking about what you're going to do next? Well, I mean, they had shipped um, OpenStep mm-hmm. at that point for uh, Solaris and uh, Windows NT, right? Um, you know, and a lot of our consulting, like uh, at that point, AT and T Wireless was doing was switching their customer care to being OpenStep on Windows. We're like, okay. well. I mean, this is sort of the environment, half the environment we like, but <laughs> working on an NT is not so great. Right. But it's tolerable you know, <laughs> if we don't have anything else. It's the best right, thing right. left. Right. Um, yeah. So I mean, knowing that that you know next step in some form would live on was, um, frankly, a surprise and mm-hmm. and. Uh, a very welcome one. So, so there it's were. It's funny no... though for us, us Apple world people were like, <laughs> Apple is so doomed, <laughs> and now they've bought this other doomed company that's even more doomed. How is this going to turn out well? So, and Steve Jobs, what does he know? Yeah. <laughs> so, in the next world, there was no um, hints that Apple would be the suitor, right? Like that came just as much of a surprise to you guys as it probably did to us. Well, yeah, I mean, the Apple's the rumor at that time was that they were going to yeah. buy B, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's what we were all banking on, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we had no, I don't recall any rumors to the effect. Yeah, yeah, it did seem to come out of nowhere. Glad it did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'd love to know more about how that decision was made. Right. Has anyone published much about that? I don't think because, I've heard much. I've heard, yeah. a, you know, there's a little bit about how the B thing may have gotten torpedoed by... Uh, gas AS, gas AS for too much. Too much. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But yeah, that's all I've really heard. Haggling yeah. over price, yeah. 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 What was your relationship like with Next? I mean, I'm assuming because there weren't a lot of Next developers um, that you guys probably had a lot of contact with the guys at Next, and it was probably... Yeah, you know, we... Um, uh, so they had a product called uh, DBKit, mm-hmm. which is sort of the spiritual predecessor to uh, enterprise objects and then to Core Data. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we uh, were on the advisory board uh, for that since we did a lot of work with uh, enterprise clients. So we'd, we'd right. go down to the next offices and you know meet and talk with the engineers and um, uh, knew a, a fair number of people there and knew a bunch of other developers in the same you know, enterprise space, um, you know, from, from meeting there or, right. um, you know, there was, you'd meet a few people at next world mm-hmm. as well. Object mm-hmm. world. Um, Did those people, how big a conference was next world? <laughs> I really don't, I don't remember. It was, I think they had it in San Jose at the convention center where they used to have WWDC. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how much of the space they took over. Mm. I don't know. I, I mean, as hundreds a, as a college kid, I mean, it, it seemed big at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sure. Uh, I really don't think it was that big. How many of those people uh, from Next 
survive the transition? Was it, you know, were there people, was there like big changes in personnel right after, or did most of those people continue on at Apple? Um, well, I mean, you know, Bertrand was at Next, uh, and obviously State was at Apple for a long time. Right. Um, I don't remember if Avi was at Apple for very long. I don't think he was there for a, a ton of time. Uh, like a couple years at least, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Rubenstein was there for mm-hmm. a while. Um, I did, you know, I, we uh, knew Bertrand a little bit, but we didn't know right. most of the... Um, the other big names that people would know. As far as the engineers, you know, a bunch of them that were at Next, I, I think, are still there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some have left and come back. Right, right. Um, like, uh, you know, Craig Federighi is... Yeah, w- right. He worked on DBKit and... Mm-hmm. Um, now he's so up there he, on those keynote stages, right? Yeah, it was yeah. kind of yeah. a surprise yeah. a couple yeah. years ago. You are like, uh-huh. yeah, and now... <laughs> Wait, I know that guy. <laughs> Did you ever have any run-ins with Steve Jobs in the in that time? Uh, we were he would come into the DB Kit meetings and mm-hmm. you know pitch stuff. Um, yeah, I maybe traded a few words with him, but right. I didn't you yeah. know wouldn't claim to know him at all. Right, right. So you guys come back from this movie and you hear the announcement. Did you get immediately into buying a Mac? Is there, was everyone like, hey, we need to get one of those? <laughs> <laughs> or you're like, let's wait and see what happens. We yeah, so Macs appeared pretty quick. There yeah. was the I don't know what the model number was, but it was right. the the boxy Power Mac that would sort of unfold. Yeah, uh, the logic board was on the side. Yeah, but before the blue ones, right? Like that. Yeah, one. not not the. Yeah. It was some sort of G three, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, wasn't it? But it wasn't the. the so we so up, how how big was the company? Y'all went to the movies. It wasn't fifty people. It was more like oh, I would I would guess maybe fifteen at most. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Mostly uh, developers. Uh, we let's see. We had uh, at that point we would have had a chef, um, mm-hmm. our uh, office reception, office manager, right. um, developers, some QA uh, support. Um, I think. I mean, it certainly was more heavily weighted towards developers at that mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, particularly. I mean, just in the space we're in, in enterprise software, the company is mostly going to support themselves. Or, you right. know, they're going to talk to their users and then maybe they'll come back to us. But uh, once, you know, now that we've moved totally into consumer software, you know, we're talking to individuals directly and right. we have a lot, a lot bigger need for support. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you said chef and that reminded me of something I've always been kind of curious about. Um, Omni's always had these these great benefits in this this culture that's interesting of, you know, food on site and massages and a game room and these things. What where did that come from? What inspired that? Uh, well, I mean, we want to make a place that we like to work, and yeah. um, you know, you, you're there late working on stuff, and your choices are, well, we could go out and you know go to you know Dick's Drive-In or yep. get some pizza or something, but you know that gets old after a while. Uh-huh. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and we had uh, a, a friend. Or I think it was a girlfriend of one of our employees who loved to cook, and mm-hmm. so she started cooking dinners for us, and we really never looked back yeah. from that. <laughs> like, I, hey, this is great. Yeah, <laughs> cool. well, I remember distinctly, you know, of course, being a Mac guy, uh, and I'm working at Adobe, but I'm like, yeah, I don't really like the big company, you know, looking for things. And 
always keeping an eye on you guys and I, you know, seeing those things listed uh, on the website, <laughs> man, you know, maybe I should go apply at Omni. That looks great. You should come on over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was always entranced that you guys, you know, a big company like Adobe will throw you bones like that every now and then, but they've got, you know, billions of dollars in revenue they're making every year. It was really cool to me that it was a relatively small company that was providing these cool benefits for their employees. I was pretty mm-hmm. impressed with that. So you've got the, the gray Max. Uh, beige, I guess. There, right. like gray. <laughs> that that gray fancy green up. button on top to open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, everyone would like now. So, how long was it before uh, Rhapsody? Before you could actually yeah. write some Cocoa code and run it on one of these? It was, a, it was a little while. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't remember the exact timeline, but yeah. I mean, it, it was it was not too long. Like yeah, the, okay. the first version of Rhapsody was really. Um, like they had just you know you put next step on a truck and put mac os 8 or whatever it was at the time on a truck and just run them headlong <laughs> into each yeah, other. Right. Mm-hmm. and so you know we sort of we had the um platinum window look mm-hmm. added in and i don't you know apple talk or whatever mm-hmm. the heck yeah, yeah right, weird sure. stuff in there yeah. and printing didn't work and <laughs> still uh, didn't. well okay yeah <laughs> yeah but who needs it man? so what uh do you guys remember what was the? I'm trying to remember the original plan. There was yellow box and blue box was the idea, right? And I can't remember what the distinction was. Like the one was the next step environment, and well, yeah, yellow, yellow was box was classic. on NT. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, and I don't know if they called it was blue box. I don't remember if that was what they called. Maybe I've got them wrong. Maybe I'm going into phone. Well, yeah, people were, people kept yeah, talking right. about you know yeah. yellow box, blue box, red box. Yeah. Said, you know, we can port it everywhere. And yeah, and I, I feel like that there was some major change though, right? Like if I remember right, when we were talking about Rhapsody and like how the Mac software was going to run in parallel with the next software, that plan. I can't remember the details, but I feel like yeah. it changed up by the time they actually shipped the first real OS X. Well, there was a long time where there was no such thing as carbon, right? Where right. Yeah, that was yeah that was or, not originally in the plan, right? right? Yeah. And there was a lot of resistance to. Yeah. I can imagine some rewrite my, all your software. Some of the people who were paying my paycheck well, had some was, of that resistance. If it wasn't for Microsoft and Adobe, yeah. there would never have been carbon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I remember uh, distinctly too um, having th- this reaction. So you know, I had, I had been working in C plus plus and really being tortured, not working so much, but not realizing it. You know, uh, the BOS was all C plus plus based, and I was like, wow, this is great. This is going to line up with my world. Right. I understand this. Uh, and then when I heard about the plan with Next and, and <clears throat> they started talking about, oh, you know, we're going to do this Cocoa thing and it's going to be Objective-C based. And I was like, why did they pick a language nobody knows? Yeah. I'm like, you've got to <laughs> be kidding me. This is a disaster, you know. And uh, so I just was kind of hanging my head and then eventually spent a couple of days learning Objective-C and I turned 180 degrees around. Yeah. Like, this is the best idea ever. Yeah, They've been you know. saved. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, a, a lot of people picked up on that, um, but we fought that language battle for yeah. a decade at least. Oh, I bet. Where you yeah. know, like, hey, let's put some horrifying Java syntax on top of Cocoa, and yeah, for a long time, mm-hmm. it was we thought we were all going to become Java developers. But, yeah, yeah. Um, luckily, we dodged dodged that. Yeah, that is uh, maybe the one benefit of that era was. Uh, when Java was starting to become something that Apple took seriously, that brought a lot of developers onto the platform. And oh, yeah. It became, you know, people who would never have thought of a Mac as a tool they could use before and now like, oh, yeah, I can actually mm-hmm. do my work with this. I think that's the, the one benefit of Java was bringing those people on board and getting their yeah. eyes open to it, you know. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm kind of glad it also <laughs> died to death. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we should pause again here and thank our sponsor, Windows Azure Mobile Services, for sponsoring another episode of The Record. In fact, they've sponsored all of season one, and we appreciate that very much. So what you should do is go to www.windowsazure.com slash iOS. And when you get there, uh, you'll see a picture of me and a big headline where it says, Learn the Ropes of Mobile Services with Brent Simmons. And there's some videos there uh, that I actually went to Microsoft campus about a year ago and uh, went to some weird room with a camera and everything. And they, they uh, shot video of me running some computers and stuff. And so if you watch the videos, you can see how easy it is to get started and how much fun it is too. You can provide backend services, sync, whatever kind of things uh, through their platform. And it's, it's, you know, you may be thinking, oh, you know, maybe you're thinking you need a server guy or you need some, you know, some expert person or some crazy stuff or you're afraid you need to learn how to administer a Linux box or something. Well, no, you don't have to. Uh, there's an easier way, and that easier way is mobile services. And it gives you all kinds of things. You get push notifications, you get scheduled scripts, uh, you can send email, uh, and of course it all connects up to a SQL database, and you write your scripts in JavaScript. It's running node.js, uh, just like a whole bunch of stuff all over the web is running node.js these days. So it's not like you need a Windows machine to do all this. No, nah, you write it. Write in your favorite text editor, work on your Mac, deploy via Git, write unit tests in Mocha or whatever, favorite unit test thing that you like for JavaScript, and, uh, and it works great. And it's a ton of fun. And it really is easy to get started. So look, they had me do these videos, and uh, you know they asked me to put the content together, and they just filmed, right? And, and it took me like, you know, just a few days. Uh, it took me even less time to learn it. It, it really is that easy. And so, heck, if I can do that, you can too. Anyway, www.windowsazure.com slash iOS. Now let's return to Tim. It was, at this time, was your um, frequency, I don't know, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Were, the amount of work that you were getting for services decreasing? Uh, as as next went down as the merger happened um it did decrease at some point but i think we were uh, around that time we were sort of actively uh trying to step back from consulting a little bit mm -hmm. and say okay well we need to make the transition and to do that we need we need to have some products so okay so this is an active decision you guys yeah we ended up uh, having several people work on consulting to pay the bills while uh, you know, the rest of the company was trying to build up some products that we could sell. Um, and was it, was this just to insulate yourself from consulting in general, or was it also because um, you saw Apple as a as a consumer company and thought, well, that's clearly the future? Well, yeah, I mean, that was the big thing about Apple by next yeah. is like, well, okay, we can actually sell software to individuals now. Right. Um, we we really couldn't before. Right. Um, but that attracted you. That was, I mean, some people yes. prefer contracting, yeah. other people prefer products. You were glad to switch we, to products. We had had our fill of contracting. Yeah, okay. Um, Got it. We'd done that. Yeah. I had to figure that the macaw thing must have been fairly lucrative. It was. And, and, yeah. and, and maddening, probably. But um, I mean, a little of both. I mean, yeah. the um, they were a C++ shop, and uh, 
so you know they had all of their lower level stuff written in that and all these antiquated mainframes on the back end and uh, huge piles of software that took forever to build mm. um, and they had they had some really interesting maybe that's the right word interesting ideas about user interface so <laughs> uh, next end of the batting you've still got your contractors <laughs> diplomacy exactly right yeah. Yeah, the filters in, on interesting ideas yeah. Yeah. so for whatever reason they, they wanted all of their windows to be uh, I think they called it wheat that's it's not really wow. the color it looked like to me but uh, so yeah they color coded their apps by you know the customer care app was wheat and the it's another one was sort of this weird aqua color. Wow. <laughs> so next ended up having to add a whole bunch of subclassing points so they could right. uh, do horrifying things to the uh, user nice. experience. <laughs> That's great to know why AppKit is the way it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's because of, of stuff like that. Right? What was uh, so how? What was the relationship with Apple as a developer uh, in the beginning after the transition there? So I mean that first year or two. Um, were they courting you? Were they trying to keep you guys on board? Were they helpful? Was it I think different? I, I think it was different. And I mean, they, um, I mean, it was the, the whole environment was different. Like, you know, now WWDC sells out in two minutes. <laughs> then they would call you up and go, hey, yeah. dude, mm-hmm. you, maybe yeah. you could come. And uh, I think you got free tickets with your developer membership. You got at least one, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And they had the early bird special. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, we got, Fairly frequent seeds of, you know, uh, Rhapsody at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of a blur. I don't. I don't. I mean, they were definitely pretty helpful. How long was it after that first public release of OS X? I mean, it was a beta, though, right? Like as I recall, well, there was the server one first, right? Like, yeah. There was some server one. So right. And then we went to that public beta, and then they had the first one. Where? When did OmniWeb for Mac first ship to people in that chain of events? It, it was on Mac OS X server. Okay, so you started with yeah. server. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, we had it. Well, and at that point, we also had it running on uh, Windows NT mm-hmm. and HP. I, I think it ran on HPX. It definitely ran on Solaris yeah. with OpenStep. And but um, once we, you know, once Mac OS X server came out, and we actually had some customers, those those went by the wayside very quickly. Yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. But, well, I'm so glad you guys were there because, um, man, I hated the Internet Explorer that was on OS X at that time. And in the beginning, I had to split my time between Classic and OS X just because of work. We mm-hmm. had to work on right. both platforms and make that transition. And it was so nice to have a web browser that <laughs> I could actually use yep. and appreciate. For yeah. Um, right, I mean, you know, we wanted to use it as well. So Yeah. I mean, even if we hadn't been selling it, I think it would have uh, would existed. would have existed, yes. <laughs> Was it a profitable venture at that time? Was OmniWeb uh, something you guys? Would... Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say in retrospect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's uh, it was a big calling card for us in a lot of ways. Yeah. So um, it's hard to you know say well how much of our business actually came from people knowing about us through this other app. So um, I mean, I think if you did you know just broke it down direct. Uh, sales versus engineering dollars. There may have been some years where it was right. profitable, but it wasn't a huge um, right. money maker for us. Well, and as I recall too, at that time, I mean, there just weren't a lot of sophisticated cocoa apps yet, right? I mean, like it was still, you guys were some of the first people out there with kind of grown up, mature software to run on the platform. 
Right? Uh, well, I mean, again, the, the Lighthouse apps were amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but did they make the transition to OS X, though? I mean... I don't remember seeing any I don't of those from, apps yeah, in OS X. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel they, like... I think they... Pro- uh, uh, don't hold me to this, but yeah. I think maybe they got bought by Sun before that sounds right. Apple okay. acquired Next, uh, and yeah. they ended up rewriting much stuff in Java. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm, I just you know there was when we first got on OS 10, it was it felt like it was a long while before we started getting mm-hmm. interesting apps that were written in Cocoa. Right, Omni was some of the first, and Stone. I, you know, I remember. Uh, oh yeah, Stone Andy, being Andy was some there of the, right away. That, that I think that was one yeah, of the things right. that kind of opened my eyes to the power of of the framework too. I was like. He's like one dude who's written all this software, like pretty complex software. He, he was a hero, hero <laughs> right, for, right, yeah, for sure. Right, yeah, yeah. It just kind of proves He's what, also uh, crazy. That, God bless that. Andrew Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see him, I'm, I'm, I'm partly happy and partly like, wow, I don't know. What a guy. <laughs> He's got a lot of energy. He does. He does. So Have, then, did you guys ever do any work with him? I mean, obviously, you know him uh, somewhat. We, yeah, but, we know yeah. him from the community. I don't yeah. know that we ever... Worked on any Nothing products together. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got OmniWeb, and you've got your services. At some point, you were involved with helping people port some games, right? And that... Yeah, we... Um, how did that get started? Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, Doom... Uh, was it Doom at that point? Yeah. Yeah, Doom was uh, developed on Next by mm-hmm. id Software. And, you know, they thought it was a great development platform, but they yeah. would... Uh, end up shipping their their final product by cross compiling it for Windows because again no customers on Next Step. Right. Um, but it ran on the Next, but it was a little yeah. And I think you know Carmack would ship binaries, but you know they'd get a little out of date. And I think Will kept pestering him, saying, "Hey, you know, just give us the source, <laughs> we'll fix it. You know, give mm-hmm. us the source." <laughs> so eventually, one day, it, in our in Will's mail shows up the source to Doom. <laughs> nice. Uh, so we ended up working on that for for a while. You know, just fixing up stuff right. um, and um, then I think we ended up doing uh, Quake 2 as well mm-hmm. which worked for Mac OS X server um, and then it needed a they were exploring hardware accelerated 3D at that point there was no there was no hardware 3D right um, yep. so they sent us a prototype uh, rendition verite board which did you know could draw triangles or something it was not advanced at all but uh and then they asked us to write a a, a driver uh, oh right for that for uh, mac os 10 server and i don't I'm trying to remember how we ended up making the transition to working for other people but yeah we mm-hmm. ended up doing um i think we probably started on other games based off the id license yeah, so there was sense. there was alice um was the, there was one that I loved. There was, it was like, uh, Star Trek something or other, which was also based off its uh, engine. What was the one that had the hilarious story? I cannot remember the name of it. It had a kind of a, a funny title, something about uh, Giants, oh, maybe. Giant Citizen Kabuto. Yes, God, yes. I love that game. That game was hilarious. It was, yeah, that was a great game. Yeah, that was very clever. I don't, I don't know if those guys ever went on to do anything else, but that was Yeah, we, really we played that around the office yeah. quite a bit after we ended up porting it. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, the, the one thing, the thing I remember about that is I got so sick 
of the music because, <laughs> nah, you know, yeah, I'd yeah. be like, you know, I eventually added a way to turn it off. But, you know, I'd be like on the first level and it's uh, playing the music. And I'm yep. like, okay, this one thing's wrong. Stop. Start it again. <laughs> <laughs> that could be really bad. I was working on an iPad app recently that uh, had 30-second sound loops, and I thought I was going to go crazy after yeah. a while. I, I did have to start making some modifications. Well, I mean, that's kind of the bad thing about uh, porting video games is – you know, if you're a, if you're somebody mm-hmm. that likes playing video games, you end up not liking. Yeah, I don't know anyone you're, who you're has uh, the end. <laughs> gone through QA at a at a game company oh, and come got, out the other side and enjoyed games anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. nah, I don't like to play games anymore. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seems like a there are job. a few games that we ported that I actually did liked enough to play all the way through. Right. Um, but many of them is yeah. I'm am d- done with this now. I, yeah, yeah. I can't listen to that <laughs> that song again. Yeah. Now, that must have been interesting because I'm, I'm guessing that uh, that was a whole different sort of set of skills that you had to develop because performance and, and particularly graphics performance was key, right? In that. Yeah, well, we ended up um, learning a lot about C++, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, learning a lot about OpenGL, um, and just, you know, games are not written as, well, most game developers are not, um, you know, software development is not their... Right. Their goal, right? They're yeah. they're making an experience. So yeah. the architecture of the code. So the is architecture not is you know more just get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, there are notable exceptions to that, like Carmack. Yeah. Um, and you know, so a lot of it was just you know code archaeology, trying to figure out what what <laughs> right. does this do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we ended up uh, at at one point we ended up writing a bunch of Windows APIs so we could just. Not port the game, just, <laughs> just build it on top of our Windows. Right, you know, we, right. we wrote you know, Win 30, a bunch of Win32 and DirectX and oh wow, yeah, all of that Little translation so, layer. Yeah. yeah, and that that ended up being uh, pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, and I guess you get to reuse that at that point, so you're not starting exactly. over every time. Right. Mm. Yeah. Scary way to have to do it, though. You, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think you would mm-hmm. have to emulate at that level. Right. But oh well. What size was Omni around that time? As you know. So. I, want, I want to say maybe 15 or 20 people. I don't know. Okay. We, we, I mean, we've grown really slowly over the mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been a few points at which uh, usually when we move to a new building, you know, we'll be, you know, we're cramped in this building mm-hmm. and, you know, we'll move to a new building and have just released a new product or something. We need a couple more support people. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But generally, we, we hire very slowly. Right. What, uh, so if you had OmniWeb, what was the next product after OmniWeb? Oh, well, we had uh, OmniPDF mm-hmm. uh, since there was no Acrobat uh, for the Mac at that point, or at least not for uh, 10 server. Yeah. Um, and then we, prior to that, we had a freeware project called uh, OmniImage, um, which just, you know, used some uh, free image conversion tools mm-hmm. to load any image format you could ever I see. dream mm-hmm. of at that point. Um, since there was, again, there was no support from the OS. Yeah. Um, uh, we had Omni Outliner started quite a while back. And, yeah, yeah I, I'm having a hard time remembering what the order mm-hmm. of. Right. <laughs> what was the impetus behind uh, and, doing and, Outliner? And some of that was because I was doing consulting. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Right. Right. Uh, so what was the uh, reason for doing Omni Outliner uh, as a product? Um, well, so I would... I think it was mostly Ken wanted to keep track of his books. Mm, um, okay. So, you know, 
I mean, it was some, again, it was something where we wanted a tool to do, you know, keep track of books, do really simple spreadsheets, mm-hmm. you know, just the things we wanted to do. Right. Um, so, you know, you mock, you know, bang out something that does what you you want and then start refining it. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, how was, uh, when you released Outliner, was it a success from the, the beginning? I mean... Uh, I think our first version, we ended up, let's see, we ended up shipping version two for free, I think. So mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> Is that the one that was on shipping with the, with the yeah, system for, software? Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah Grapple and Grapple Outliner and shipped oh, that's with right, both, yeah. Mac OS mm-hmm. 10 server for quite a while. Right. Well, and the, and the regular client version. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think I had a Grapple, a Grapple license. Yeah, I certainly did. Yeah. yeah. Some Mac that I had purchased along that line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That must have been exciting. Like, how did that happen? How did that deal get made? It was, I, I don't know how the deal got made. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. I mean, they, yeah, my software's on there. But, I know, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I think our, our actual revenue went up once we got off the bundle. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, Apple's not, um, uh, they're thrifty. I'd heard they don't spend money where they yeah, don't need right. to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is good, uh, but. But the exposure probably was was worth it. I yes, in the end, right? I'm sure that's the first time I used Omni products myself. Oh yeah, we have a ton of, of people yeah. that yeah. are like, "Hey, I found out about your company through this." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think it, on the whole, I think it gave us a lot of exposure. Yeah, that right. would have been hard to get any other way. Yeah. It was you guys in Comic Life, as I recall, that, that yeah. came on the Mac. Yeah, and then and I don't a, think. There was a game developer, uh, Pangea, Pangea, at some had point some, had yeah. some games that, they, they, oh, that okay. they would bundle. I don't know if it was the exact same time, but somewhere. Mm-hmm. I thought there was like image converter or something. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. For a little while there was, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. How about that app? That's Far Cry from the mid-90s Max, which would come with like a dozen CDs mm-hmm. and like all this all this stuff, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. It wasn't necessarily pre-installed, but it, you know, it came yeah, with the machine. you got to bundle and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, crazy things. At least there were no stickers on it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So when when did you get a sense for um, we're gonna we're gonna make it as a product company? This is gonna work. I don't know that there was ever a moment where it mm-hmm. really really dawned on us. I mean, I, I mean, in retrospect, it's like, well, this you know it just keeps getting better and better. But um, I I guess I would maybe say the release of uh, I think it was Grapple Four. Maybe it was Grapple 3. I don't remember. But we had a really good sales day. And I'm like, oh, yeah. hey, this, right. this is working yeah. out. Uh-huh. This mm-hmm. is pretty great. Yeah. Did you guys always, in the back of your mind, was the vision always we're going to grow pretty, you know? I mean, it, I know in the grand scheme of things, not a huge company, but you guys have gotten fairly big for independent software developer in our sphere. Like, yeah. Was I mean, that always uh, part of the plan, or did it just kind of happen? No, no. I mean, we've just uh, grown as we need people to fill mm-hmm. Fill the needs we have for, uh, you know, as we add products or need support, you know, as we add users. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think there is a little bit of, um, I mean, there definitely is planning in the sense, uh, you know, once you start uh, moving into an office and getting a five or ten year lease, you're like, well, we're going to be here for a while. So, we, how many people are we going to have by the end of that period? And you have to do a little bit of, uh, you know, guesswork of, well, we think we'll have, right? However many people, but mm-hmm. um, in the in the, uh, the previous office, we we ended up filling the space pretty quickly, uh, which was um, 
a challenge for a while. Yeah. Um, here we've got, uh, hopefully we won't do that here as well. <laughs> <laughs> you just wait. Once it's kind of like once you build the space, you're going to fill it up is what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, oh, of course yeah, we can sure. hire someone. There's room. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Omni is like water. It'll expand <laughs> exactly, to its right? container. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have an option for the other half of this floor. So if uh, worst comes to worst. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> Just in case. Oh, no. Just in case you have <laughs> runaway success. Yeah. Terrible problem to have. It's perfect. You know, you've been in part of these developing applications on, on these frameworks for a long time, I guess. Uh, 20 years, essentially, right? Um, yeah. yeah and been. there's been changes, but, I mean... Fundamentally, Objective C looks a lot like it did, I think. Uh, at that yeah, time. I, somebody like uh, was it NCSA just published the source code for the dub oh. app. Yeah, and somebody tweeted, "Oh wow, it's amazing how much different right. Objective C right. looked back then." Hmm. And I, I, I didn't go look, but um, I mean, you know, it's, it's got square brackets still. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but you know, just in terms of memory management and what everything's yeah. named and foundation and um, all those things, everything used to return ID for no reason, mm -hmm. just because it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you? What do you think about the future? Do you think that these same tools and languages will carry another decade's worth of development? Well, it's hard to say. Like I, I wouldn't have guessed that Objective C would have performed as well on iOS as it did. Right. Um, I'm sure they did significant work on that, but I mean, Objective-C has a note, you know, reputation of, or any dynamic language has yeah. a reputation mm -hmm. of, well, it's going to be too slow for uh, these tiny little processors. But, you know, fortunately, only the iPhone 1 was, had right. a really tiny little processor, yeah. and now right. it's a non-issue. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with things like uh, GCD and Blocks, I mean, there are We've seen quite a bit of evolution recently, so mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think we can push it forward quite a ways. Um, but I mean, really, uh, the big issue at this point, of course, is multi-core. Mm -hmm. um, just you know, there's a lot of great work being done in functional languages right. um, that it would be nice to be able to get some of that in Objective C. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel like that's going to be a significant change in in our industry at some point. Addressing multi-processing. Yeah, and, level yeah. If, if we ever see another Mac Pro, uh, <laughs> I assume it's going to have a ton of cores. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> put something in. Yeah, something to make it Pro-ish. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's multiple cores in all of our mobile devices at this point too, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you just really mm -hmm. can't buy anything that isn't um, multiple cores. So it does seem like a significant thing that they need to. It would be great if they could do a better job addressing because I think a lot of us spend a lot of time debugging and architecting around oh, yeah. those issues. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I mean, I think one of the um, one of the things that we run, or I personally run into right now is just there's no good debugging for race conditions. It's right. um, the, I forget if it was Go or Rust, one of the, the various new languages that came out. The, I think it's Go 1.1 has a built-in race <laughs> condition checker. Cool. Which I would love that wow. in mm -hmm. Objective-C. I mean, your program runs really slow, but it will find but, all these yeah, issues for you. It. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Go, that's the uh, one put out by Google? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And it looks like a great language. Mm -hmm. Cool. There's some some work being done towards, like it builds on ARM, but they haven't 
shipped something that will work for iOS yet. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some branch somewhere where you can yeah. do that. Interesting. Is, is that presented as a general purpose language or a client or server uh, side? Or? Right now, they seem to be aiming it mostly at server server side work mm -hmm. where you're doing a lot of asynchronous. Mm -hmm. uh, they call them Go routines. Which is Google's big need, of course, yeah, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's more interesting to lift the concept out of it and hoist it into something like Objective C or. Yeah, maybe. I think they've got some sort of, uh, you know, C-like binding. So you you, know, you could probably hook a UI up to mm -hmm. it. I don't. I haven't heard of anybody doing that. Yeah. How uh, how do you feel your relationship with Apple is now as a developer, um, and with the explosive growth that they've had? Well, I, I think it's pretty good. Um, I mean, it's challenging. Apple's a huge company, so we don't really, I guess I would say we don't have a relationship with Apple, per se. Yeah, right. More I, we, obviously, we do in some sense, but, you know, we, mostly it's the people we have relationships with. and um, Like the iCloud team. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's some great people. That yeah, yeah. they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I just wondered if you know a, anybody from there gave you some pushback about not using iCloud and doing this uh, omnipresence. And, no, yeah, no, not yeah. at all. I mean, they're interested. I wouldn't in, expect that, but yeah, I mean, could have very, been happening. Would have been a great controversy. What what our needs were, and and yeah. um, you know, we've logged a bunch of radars, and um, they understand. Yeah, what we needed and. Um, yeah, Bug-free software that works. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what the future will hold? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah I don't know. We'll, we'll see what if they, they if they yeah. had if they release something, uh, and you're confident that it works, would you guys want? Would you want to switch back over to the platform solution? Uh, there's definitely some temptation to do that, mm -hmm. um, but uh, probably not just because. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think I've mentioned this to people before. Like, it's important to own the wheel. Like, if if, right. if there's some piece of your app that if it breaks, your app is dead in the water. You need to be able to fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And there are some pieces where, well, if it breaks, well, I'll rip it out. I don't care. Um, so, I mean, you have to pick your battles there pretty carefully. But um, you know, if if iCloud goes the way of sync services mm -hmm. and right. Whatever the one before that was, yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, we don't want to go down with that yep, with exactly. that ship. You don't want that dependency. Yeah, yeah, yeah tough being Rich Siegel at this moment. I think. Yeah. You update your Jimbo. Yeah. That's that's tough. I mean, it's been a long time trying everything to make it work, right? And then finding that they're really in a you know rock and hard. Yeah, place. but having supported sync services in the mm -hmm. first place, and now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like iCloud's burned a lot of developer trust in that regard. Do you feel like your users feel that, a similar kind of feeling about iCloud, or they, is it kind of uh, level removed and so they're not really? I think it depends upon whether they think of iCloud as just mm -hmm. their email and notes and right. you know, the things that aren't really what we think of iCloud as being. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think. Uh, I think it just depends upon the users. I mean, we we cer certainly have seen, you know, forum commenters or whatever saying, "Why don't you just use iCloud?" Mm -hmm. Like, well, okay, we could we could spell it out. <laughs> yeah, here's all the issues we've had. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think, um, like you've said, there's been a f uh, quite a few developers that have 
have posted things and the, have talked about their experiences. So, right. um, the word's kind of out there. The word's at, out at there. Point, yeah. yeah. The situation. Um, I think we're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, We've already passed weird. the iPhone by talking about. I know. Icon. I kind of realized like, oh, no. we're talking about. It. I'm Wait like, maybe we have That's to save this. That's outside our team. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll do Seattle after the iPhone, right. of course. Yeah. Uh, just, just again, thanks so much for letting us record here. That's oh, well, very, thanks for very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Letting us board a fort here in the conference room. Yep. This is a great little fort. Yeah. <laughs> fort I'm going to leave it with you guys. Yeah, You're going to get to play with it. Yeah, this was great. I really appreciate getting to hear all this history. Especially coming from the Mac side of things, and I guess the Apple side of things, it's really yeah. good to get more informed about the next side of things. Uh, I think we can call it a wrap, unless there's anything else. So, fire up OmniWeb and go to therecord.tv/season1, and you will get the show notes for this episode and see all our other episodes, and uh, it'll generally just be really, really fun for you.